welcome to Storytime with Kurt. In each episode, I'd like you to sit back, relax, and just chill out while I read Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Previously on Chapter 13 of Great Expectations. Okay, so Joe and... And Pip go to visit Miss Havisham. Miss Havisham gives Joe some money that uh, Pip has earned. That money gets turned over to Pip's sister. And then, for some reason, it is now rushed. And Pip is now bound as an apprentice legally to Joe. Chapter 14. It is a most miserable thing to feel ashamed of home. There may be ingratitude in the thing, and the punishment may be retributive. Retributive? Retributive? Hmm. I don't know how that one's supposed to be pronounced. But retributive and well-deserved. But that it is a miserable thing, I can testify. Home had never been a pleasant place to me because of my sister's temper. But Joe had sanctified it, and I had believed in it. I'd believed in the best parlor as a most elegant saloon. I'd believed in the front door as a mysterious mysterious portal of the Temple of State, whose solemn opening was attended with a sacrifice of roast fowls. I'd believed in the kitchen as a chaste, though not magnificent, apartment. I'd believed in the forge as the glowing road to manhood and independence. Within a single year, all this was changed. Now it was all coarse and common and I would not have had Miss Havisham and Estella see it on any account. How much of my ungracious condition of mind may have been my own fault, how much Miss Havisham's and how much my sister's is now of no moment to me or to anyone. The change was made in me, the thing that was done, well or ill done, excusably or inexcusably, it was done. Once it had seemed to me that when I should go at last roll up roll up my shirt sleeves and go into the forge, Joe's prentice, I should be distinguished and happy. Now the reality was in my hold, I only felt that I was dusty with the dust of small coal and that I had wait, a weight upon my daily remembrance to which the anvil was a feather. There have been occasions in my later life, I suppose, as in most lives, when I felt for a time as if a thick curtain had fallen on all its interest and romance to shut me out from anything save dull endurance any more. Never has that curtain dropped so heavy and blank as when my way in life lay stretched out straight before me through the newly entered road of apprenticeship to Joe. I remember at that that at a later period of my time, I used to stand about the churchyard on Sunday evenings when night was falling, comparing my own perspective with the windy marsh view and making out some likeness between them by thinking how flat and low both were, and how both were or on and how on both there came an unknown way and a dark mist and then the sea. I was quite as dejected on the first working day of my apprenticeship as in that aftertime, but I am glad to know that I never breathed a murmur to Joe while my indentures lasted. It is about the only thing I am glad to know of myself in that connection. For though it includes what I proceed to add, all the merit of what I proceed to add was Joe's. 
It was not because I was faithful, but because Joe was faithful, and that I never ran away and went for a soldier or a sailor. It was not because I had a strong sense of the virtue of industry, but because Joe had a strong sense of the virtue of industry that I worked with a tolerable zeal against the grain. It's not possible to know how far the influence of any amiable, honest-hearted, duty-doing man flies out into the world, but it is very possible to know how it has touched oneself in going by, and I know right well that any good that intermixed itself with my apprenticeship came of plain, contented Joe, and not of restlessly aspiring, discontented me. What I wanted, who can say? How can I say when I never knew? What I dreaded was that, in some unlucky hour, I, being at my grimiest and commonest, should lift up my eyes and see Estella looking at me in one of the wooden windows of the forge. I was haunted by the fear that she would, sooner or later, find me out with a black face and hands, doing the coarsest part of my work, and would exult over me and despise me. Often, after dark, when I was pulling the bellows for Joe, and we were singing Old Clem, and when the thought of how we used to sing it at Miss Haversham's would seem to show me in Estella's face in the fire, with her pretty hair fluttering in the wind and her eyes scorning me, often at such a time I would look towards those panels of black night in the wall, which the wooden windows then were, and would fancy that I saw her just drawing her face away, and would believe that she had come at last. After that, when we went into supper, the place and the meal would have a more homely look than ever, and I would feel more ashamed of home than ever in my own ungracious breast. End of chapter 14. Another very, very short chapter. But that is where we're going to end it for tonight. Thank you for joining us on Storytime with Kurt. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, simply go to anchor.fm slash storytimewithkurt or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please don't forget to leave us a review and rate us if you like. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at VO by Kurt. If you have any suggestions for future podcasts, feel free to send an email to Kurt at storytimewithkurt.com. See you next time. Thank you.